lines of a lesson has a uh, more of an outline to it. Going to be answering some questions about uh, Christian living. It's something. It's a topic that you're going to come upon. Uh, whether you're uh, raising your children, even in your own day to day life, it'll affect your decision making. We're going to look at some biblical principles for how you should live, how you ought to live after you're saved. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you become a new creature. And uh, I've heard the illustration in this church many times, so hopefully you've all heard it too, uh, about the, about the uh, Indian chief who accepted Christ. And uh, a missionary came back to him and asked him how it was going. The gentleman said, well, it feels like there's two dogs inside of me. They're fighting against each other, the old man and the new man. And the missionary asked him, well, which one's winning? The answer was pretty simple, whichever one I feed the most. So in order for you to have a successful Christian walk, you have to feed the new creature. You have to feed it. You can't feed your flesh. I mean, he's been defeated, but even a defeated foe, you look at uh, military conflicts, just because an enemy's been defeated doesn't mean he's not still fighting. Look at the Japanese after World War II. There were remnants that held out in the Philippines till the middle of the 70s. And probably to this day, there's still elements that might be out there, even though these individuals would be about 80 years old at this time. We can't be sure. Look at our own civil wars, the wars that we've had, and the Revolutionary War. After the Revolutionary War, many of the natives were allies of the British. They did not stop fighting. We had to be continually fighting them until the middle part of the eight, uh, actually until after the Civil War. It wasn't until many of them, uh, many of those old tribes were defeated. You look at Germany, any war, the defeated foe is not always gone. And just as it, it's the same way in our spiritual life, the old man, he's still there. He's still putting up resistance. He's been defeated, but he's still working to make your life miserable. So first uh, thing we're going to look at is after salvation. Should there be a change? Obviously, yes. Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Though a lot of scripture turning, so this might be a good thing for those of you that have the uh, Bible, uh, electronic copy of it. Hopefully you'll be able to turn to the passages quicker. That's what I'll be using. It says there in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Our lives need to show that there is a new Holy Spirit living within us. Your desires should be to change from fulfilling the lust of the flesh, just trying to do whatever your own body wants, whatever the old man wants. You should be trying to uh, feed the things of Spirit. Desire to please God. Just as uh, many times I see it in my own son, how not all the time, but most times it seems like he wants to make Dad happy. He does something, he's all proud of himself. Um, uh, an illustration a little while back. I was trying to fix the vacuum cleaner. It was just, I don't i don't know what was wrong with it. We had to get a new one. But I was trying to fix it. I'm taking it apart. I got the screwdriver there. I got all the screws. And Rick is constantly bugging. Dada, what? It's, I, I don't know. If I knew this, I wouldn't be doing this. But So finally, I just said, okay, here, hold the screwdriver for Dad. I, it was one of those ones where you can remove the pointy thing. So I handed it to him. No way to get hurt. And he just sat there, and he was all proud of himself, held it. Whenever he'd, I'd ask him for it, he'd hand it back to me, and he'd be all proud of himself. Yay! I helped Daddy! Just, 
That's the way that the new, uh, that's the way that your spirit needs to be after you accept Christ. You're trying to please God and be happy when you do it. That's all right. Turn over for another uh, verse there. We're going to look in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Ask if there's a, there should be a change in the way you live. Yes, you need to look at everything through a different perspective. Everything's new. You've changed your focus. Much like when you, um, when you change jobs. You're no longer, once you go from one employer to a new one, you're no longer focused on the goals uh, and uh, accomplishing the mission of the old company that you no longer work for, you're focused on accomplishing the goals of the new company that you're at, following their procedures, following their policies. Different area of it to look at. That needs to happen in your heart. I won't reiterate too much. And our lives should focus on a willingness to please God rather than obey the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. And then we'll look at Ephesians 4, verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. So turn your Bibles to, to those uh, chapters, Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I go to Ephesians 4.22. A lot of Bible turning, or a lot of page turning. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. You have to realize as well that as well as changing your focus, there will be the temptation to try to compromise. Well, if I give the flesh this little bit here, maybe I'll I'll just appease and keep them happy. No, it's impossible to please both of them. You can't please the flesh and please God. It's not worth trying to compromise. It's better to just fight it out. It's There's many things you can do. Jesus talked about uh, when his disciples came to him because they couldn't cast out a demon. Certain things that, God, that you're going to be required to do for God, Jesus said, "This cometh forth not by by prayer and fasting." Uh, fasting's not often talked about. You can tell from my uh, from my uh, physique that uh, I don't do it very often. But it's something that should not be bragged about. But it's something that is a spiritual tool, and do it. Use it wisely. Use it right. It is something that you may have to do because do whatever you have to do to beat the flesh. Obey God. Then another thing that's another question that has popped up, at least in my talking to other believers, uh, or new believers particularly, says, okay, my sins are all forgiven, past, present, and future. So why does it matter how I live? Why does my sins are forgiven? Why don't I just do what I want? It's all paid. I'm just kind of in a holding pattern till I get to heaven, right? Till my life is over. No, Romans 6, 1 through 2. I believe many of us, it's been a memory verse here before. It says, what shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any, live any longer therein? Salvation is not a license to sin. It, I should have wrote down many of the verses for it, but the grace of God is one of the biggest sins as talked about in Jude is that people that use God's grace for lasciviousness. They use salvation as a license to sin, a license to keep doing whatever they want. Yes, your sins are paid for. However, that doesn't mean you get to keep sinning. A new man. You have you're a new creature. 
You're supposed to be a turnaround. Look at, drop down if you're already in Romans 6, drop down to verse 12 through 13 there. Let me get there in my Bible real quick. I wrote that one down. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness under God. For sin hath, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Now, Paul, stop there in verse 15. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. See that we're given. Grace is so that we don't, not being under the law, is so that we don't have to fulfill the ceremonial constraints of the law. We don't have to go to Jerusalem once here. We don't have to observe all the feasts as Gentiles. However, we are to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Even God talked about this when he talked to the um, <clears throat> his disciples about the Pharisees and about tithing, how he condemned the scribes and Pharisees for tithing on every mint and pence, and then he turned around and told his disciples, do more than them. So that's one area where it's not enough to just give the minimum. There's many others. Grace is given to you so that you can do more, not coast and do less. Then, and uh, I won't have you turn there, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. Our choices still have personal consequences for both ourselves and others. Everything that you do, I'll just go on to the next point there because it uh, ties right into it. Choices ha- Our choices have consequences that affect other people. Romans 14.7 says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Look back there in Joshua, the story of, uh, story of Achan, where he, uh, one man caused an entire nation to be defeated in their next battle in a city that should have been much easily taken, or much easier to take. Jericho was a tough city to conquer. The next one was not. It was kind of a small outlier, even so much that Joshua said, oh, we only need half, we only need to spare half the guys. We'll give the other ones some break, a break, give them some rest and leave. But he was still defeated because of one man's sin. Your sin doesn't, when you sin, your sin, my sin, everybody... It doesn't just affect you. That's what's so, so dangerous about some of this thought process. Particularly, I see a lot of, um, I, I see a lot of people that I know embracing it and posting things about it on Facebook. I try not to post too much on Facebook, tend to get in the fights, but just kind of watch what other people post as far as the whole drugs. Well, I'll do what I want with my body. You do what you want with yours. Don't bother each other. I won't bother you. You won't bother me. It's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. Yes, life might be a lot simpler if it was, but that's not how it works. We're all sinners and we're all born into sin because of whose actions? Whose actions? Who's you? Adam's, yes, because of Adam's sin. Because one man sinned, our entire race, the human race, was condemned. Same way with yours. That's why you can't entertain it. It's a contagious disease. Something that needs to be wiped out. Now, okay, you've told me all the bad things, told me I can't, or what my sin does, told me I'm not allowed to do it, how I have to change my life. Well, okay, 
How do I determine what is right? Are there relationships and activities you should avoid? Yes. Talks about there in 1 Timothy 3.13. I won't quote the whole passage, but it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and instruction for righteousness. So it's part of that whole turning from your old uh, from the old flesh to the new creature. You need to inspect the Scriptures. We see in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, turn there, 2 Corinthians 6, we'll look at verses 14 and 18. We'll see. Uh, we'll look at two areas. Our biblical separation is both commanded and commended by God. Talks about there in verse fourteen: Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Baal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Turn back to Romans chapter 12, we'll look at verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you see there, you're not to be unequally yoked. Mainly that talks about marriage. Those of you, I'm married. My wife is a Christian. I'm good. I passed that test. Now, those of you that aren't married yet, it's going to be interesting. Which is, this is another area, I'll deviate from Bible, this is strictly opinion, right here, okay? I'm not saying this comes out of the Bible, this is a great area where camps and Bible colleges come into play. I know there's some that don't like Bible colleges, I know there's some that don't like camps, they're not perfect, they're human institutions, they're fallible, I understand that, but a good thing about them is that is a great place to meet your spouse, to meet your future spouse. It's a good place. Someone that wants to serve God. It's a great place to find them. Uh, personally, I can't use my my uh, marriage. It's too much of a proof. We haven't even been married three years yet. We're coming up on it. But I, I met, uh, I, my wife and I, we met in Bible college. We met working in a church. And um, I was very impressed by, when I saw her, I'd, I'd been in the Marine Corps. I'd seen a lot of, Seen a lot of things, had a lot of uh, individuals attempt to start the dating relationship. I had no time for that. But when I saw my wife, and I saw how she interacted with students, the teenagers that we had there, namely coming, how she was always the first one to jump up and get something done. Uh, She was one of the hardest workers there. That impressed something on me. And that's a great place to meet your spouse at a camp or at a college. It's a great place to show yourself, to prove yourself. If you're a young man, because any young lady that's worth her salt and has a daddy that's worth his salt, he's not going to accept someone who's haphazard. He's not going to accept someone unless he's living up to a high standard. So part of my opinion, camps and colleges, they're not a substitute for the church, but they are a good place to go to find your spouse. Definitely won't find me opposed to it. Not everyone that goes there is uh, marriage material, but... Hey, that's where you two met, right? 
Isaac, worked out pretty good so far? Yeah, it's working out pretty good? Okay. Yeah, see? Got two witnesses. All right, back to Scripture, away from opinion. Got to get off that rabbit trail, come right back. Now, we'll determine proper activities and relationships by answering six questions using biblical principles. First principle that we're going to use, we find in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. I won't ask you to turn there. And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. First question you need to ask, will this bother my conscience? Will this bother how I stand before God? If something, there may be some things to do. You, uh, Biggest instance I see, uh, some people ask me, should I go to a restaurant that also has a bar? That's up to your conscience. You're under grace. There is no law that says thou shalt not go to wherever alcohol is served. Doesn't There's no law in the Bible that says thou shalt not go to any place where alcohol is sold. So, I mean, if it bothers, if it bothers your conscience to shop at a place that sells alcohol or bothers your conscience, conscience to go out to eat at a place where alcohol is served, it feels more like a bar, don't do it. If it bothers your conscience, don't do it. If a certain type of business dealing, uh, you think, ooh, this might technically be legal, but uh, it just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem right with my conscience, then don't do it. That's the question you'd ask. That's one of the biblical principles. You need to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Abstain from all appearances of evil. That's a big thing. A requirement for leadership, particularly Christian leadership, is you have to be blameless. That means that one of the examples of that is if someone brings an accusation against a position of leadership, his character ought to be such that everyone's like, no, there's no way. There's no way that guy does that. That's part of the thing about blameless. Next thing, next principle. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, it says, Who shall also conform you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. We'll look at verse 23. <clears throat> it says, In the very God of peace... Sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body shall be, ser- be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's another question to ask after you ask, will this bother my conscience? Would I be embarrassed if Jesus Christ to return while I was doing this? Ask yourself that. We have the Holy Spirit with us. You accepted Christ, Holy Spirit indwelled you. Now... Look to him for that answer. Like, ooh, would the individual who paid for this gift of mine, would he appreciate how I'm using this gift of grace? Would he like this? Question to ask yourself. It's a principle. The next thing, am I going to be brought under the power of something that should not be controlling my life? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 said, All things are lawful unto me. There's being under grace. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any of them. I have countless friends that bring this up about alcohol. All things are lawful unto me. Yeah, did you read the rest of the verse? All things aren't expedient for you. Big issue in this area, drunkenness and all the things that it leads to, whether it's uh, driving or the domestic violence. It 
definitely is not expedient. Everybody can see that. Like, oh, another thing that annoys the living daylights. Oh, I can smoke Charles Spurgeon, smoke cigars. Yes, but did you read how later in his life he found out that it was being used as an advertisement for tobacco companies? And he said that he wanted no part of him to do anything other than what pointed to Christ, so he gave it up. A lot of things that aren't, maybe a certain, some businesses inherently lead toward corruption. Maybe we ought not be in those businesses. Talking about maybe something like owning a bar or if you're uh, an unsaved man who owns a store gets saved and all of a sudden, should I keep, should I renew my alcohol license at this store? I don't know. Would it be lawful for him to sell it? Well, he's not drinking it, but helping others to do it. It's another principle. That also comes in with music. Music is an area of a lot of struggle. You've got to find out where you stand on that and then stick to where you stand on it. I remember when I first came here, Pastor taught a pretty extensive series on it. I, we might still have that on tape or online. I don't know. I know he still has the notes. He needs some more guidelines about it. He keeps notes of all his sermons. Trust me, I know. Go ask him. He'll be happy to give them to you. Um, I don't know if I've annoyed him at any point in time. If I have, I'm sorry about asking where he stands on something. But that's how I know that if you got a question about something he said in the past, he'll tell you. He's got it written down. So music. <clears throat> music is very controlling. Whatever the choice you make about that, don't be deceived by it. It's, there's a reason. There's a particular genre of music in restaurants. And there's another genre of music in weight rooms. There's another genre of music, very similar to what's played in weight rooms, played at sporting events. Because it does have an impact. It does and can control you. Don't be deceived by it. Oh, it's just the words. No, the words are one very important part of music. There's a lot more to music than I didn't get my music degree, so I won't embarrass myself by trying to go into too many details. But it's definitely more than just the words. Or it can also something that brings you under the power you shouldn't be under. Your job, your vocation. Is that going to inherently cause you to be in the presence of things that, well, say like a security guard. Certain establishments you probably shouldn't be a security guard at. It's going to put you in the area of a lot of sin. That's one example. Something to definitely consider those of you that are thinking about joining the military. Yeah, it's a brotherhood. Yeah, I learned a lot from it. Yeah, it's a great place to learn discipline. But you better be a very strong Christian. You, and once you, if, Lord willing, if you think it's the will of God to join, you better put yourself under some men that will help you. Fortunately for you, if anyone's out there that plans on joining, ask me. I know churches by many of the bases, by many of the bigger bases, where there are men there that they have served, they know how to get through it. God put some men in my life, both the major places I served at. I was able to be under a pastor in one of them. He actually, at 10 years prior, had been garrisoned in the same room that I had been garrisoned in. Thankful for that. Very thankful. I was by God's grace. I wasn't even looking for it. 
the little rabbit trail. That was a drunk friend who invited me and told me I needed to come to church with him as he's holding a bottle of Jack Daniels across the barracks hall from me. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're going to church tomorrow. Got it. You keep drinking. Well, hungover as all get out, but not drunk. <laughs> um, we drove to church that next morning. Very interesting how God moves. And if you go to California, I definitely know churches out there where there's definitely some good men that lead military ministries. Well, make sure your job's not going to put you in a place that's going to compromise your walk with him, your spiritual life. Don't let it do that. We're, we're there, and all labor there is profit. But <clears throat> there's also, in labor, there's also a cost to it. So any good businessman would tell you to weigh the uh, risk and reward. Now the next question to ask. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Where it says, Let us therefore follow after things which make peace, and things wherein one may edify another. Does this activity that is in question, or relationship, build up and help others? Is it profitable? Turn also to 1 Corinthians 10.23. Looking back at the same verse, all things are lawful. All things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Just because it's okay to do does not mean you need to do it. If it doesn't edify either yourself or others, and others needs to be the key emphasis, it's an unqualified activity. It doesn't build you up. Doesn't build others up. And then another principle: Would it hurt another Christian if another Christian saw me do this? Would it hurt them? Would it hurt their spiritual walk? Turn back your Bibles to Romans chapter fourteen. Romans chapter fourteen, verses thirteen through fifteen say, "Let us not therefore judge one another any more." But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's pathway. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. If any brother be grieved with thy meat, thou walkest uh, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died." Heard a great illustration about this. I'm not sure where exactly the details escape me, but there was a pastor, a man of God, gone hunting all his life. It was a big part of his family tradition. Found out it offended a new member in the church. He just gave it up. That's a perfect example of that. Hunting is not necessarily right or wrong. If it's causing another brother to stumble, don't do it. If another great example of this, if you know a brother in Christ who... For salvation, struggled with alcohol, probably not a good idea that you guys go for Christian fellowship in a place that also serves alcohol. Though it might not be something that tempts you, you have no desire, may I have desire for it, don't lead another brother into temptation for it. Don't put a stumbling block in front of him. Don't put a job opportunity in front of him that's going to cause him to hinder in his Christian walk. 
go uh, either across the page or over page a bit to chapter 15. We'll look at verses 1 and 2. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. It's not about you. First off, it's about Christ, then it's about others. That's another guiding principle. Then the last one, would this cause an unsaved person to reject Jesus Christ? Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If I was a little bit more of an experienced individual, I would have had you put a marker there, but excuse my inexperience. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 and 30 through 33 says, Therefore, or wherefore, therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that many may be saved. So you see there who is supposed to please. You're not to give offense to Jews, Gentiles, or the church. Don't insult the... If people have been brought up to believe that something is wrong, where it might be kind of, or it might not be wrong, but it might be something that's looked down upon, okay, uh, example of this that I heard an individual give, he was talking about leadership, talking about corporate leadership, talking about being high up. He went from one company where it was acceptable for certain executives to have access to a private jet. That was perfectly fine. Hey, you need that. This guy is part of a global company. He needs to go all over the nation at the drop of a hat. Maybe he needs to get, a, get his passport ready to go and go to the other side of the world. It's very convenient. But he went to a manufacturing company, and people look down on that. No, we don't fly corporate jets around here. We fly coach. That's how it's done. Okay. Same thing within our Christian life. The speaker that was here on Camp Tech Sunday was explaining how sometimes the business world gets things right that the church doesn't, and how sometimes it, uh, children of the world are uh, better than the children of light at some things. That's one thing you can learn from a business. If it was acceptable for you to dress a certain way in one area, okay, here's an example that hit off in college pretty hard. Gentlemen wearing pink ties. No one here has ever worn a pink tie, right? Right? No one, no one here has ever had. I know, I know, Faith. It was it's a fight I had with one of my own siblings. If you go to a if you go to a church, particularly if you're in leadership, where that tends to be frowned upon, do I think it's do I think it's bad that uh, gentlemen wear pink ties? Not really. I'm just going to make fun of you. If you're less than three, my, my standard is, if you weigh 300 pounds or more, wear a pink tie. I don't want to get squished. If you're less than that, particularly if you're a 90-pound spindly individual, that is not making you look very masculine. You might want to change that. But that's the part of one part of Christian living. Part of it, if someone views that as being a little, don't do it. Don't do it. If that's going to hurt your testimony, if that's going to hurt someone else causing the cries, ooh, they're a bunch of... This individual seems a little weak, seems a little off. 
Mm-mm, not doing that. Don't be gentlemen. I don't. I don't know how to apply this to ladies. So ladies, just look over this. Gentlemen, don't be afraid to have calluses on your hands. Don't be afraid to work. Don't be afraid to. Uh, well, it's okay to have some oil on your hands every once in a while. If you know how to do it, it's all right. If that's what it takes to keep someone from or to help lead someone to Christ, you have to be a little bit more masculine. If people were offended by the beard, okay, I'd shave it off. It's not a big deal. People are offended by a certain haircut. Okay, I'll change it. It's not a big deal. I'm not under the law. I'm not commanded to have a certain beard or a certain haircut or wear a certain type of clothing within reason. Within reason. Have to wear things that pertain to a man, but if people are offended by a pink tie or if people are offended by if they only want to see a pastor in a white shirt, shouldn't be that big of a deal, but they're weaker. Okay, it's my job to help them out. And train them to where, all right, you know, really, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't a big deal. Facial hair is not a big deal. Hair on your head, not a big deal. As long as you don't look like a gal, it's okay. That's just one of their areas. So I'll review the principles real quick, and then I'll pray and you'll be dismissed. Will it bother my conscience? I want a conscience that's void of offense. Will I be embarrassed if Jesus returned while I was doing this? Will I be brought under the power of something that should not be controlling my life? Does it build up and help others, or is it just for my own license? If another Christian saw me do this, would it hurt them? Would it offend them? Would it put a stumbling block in front of my brother or sister in Christ? And would this cause an unsaved person to reject Christ? Are you properly representing Christ? We are ambassadors. And that's the big thing about Christian living. It's not put it on a show. Remember, you're an ambassador, and ambassadors are to act a certain way. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for...